On September 18th and 19th, so last year, I started a series, or sermon, you might remember, with saying that I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, little said, I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. Remember, that's what I said. So I was not going on some crazy diet. I'm just going to eat a little bit healthier. I remember not too long after that, there were a couple flip challenges, and somehow out on social media, there were like pictures of me like eating like Taco Bell or like some food, and people were like, wow, look at you being so healthy, Nathan. Like, haha. Like, some people got like offended, I think, like, oh, Nathan was like supposed to be on a diet. Somehow then it turned into Nathan's on a diet. So eating healthier now, it's like Nathan's on a diet. Um, it's like, oh, and then it made some people sad because it's like he's breaking his diet. And then it like morphed into something else to eventually Becca told me that. One of the students was sad seeing a picture of me eating food because Nathan was supposed to be on his diet so that he could fit into his wedding suit so that Becca could be happy at the wedding. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, that's what it got to. So it went from me saying, I'm going to eat a little healthier, so then on a diet, then it's all of a sudden a wedding diet because the wedding's coming up, then it's so I can fit in a suit, and then all of a sudden, just so then Becca can be happy, so I'm not this big guy and it's, that can't fit in his suit and has to just wear a triple button-up. Whoa. Now, right there, you see how just something that I said can morph into something else and go down the lines and clearly impacted this kid who was very sad. Maybe it was one of you. Sorry if I called Jared there, who was disappointed. It had an impact on them because of something that I said, and it was twisted all around. You see, that's a situation, an instance, where something that I said twisted and it impacted someone, and it wasn't even something I said. Sometimes our words can be twisted and the effects on someone else can be as a result of something we don't even say. But oftentimes what's normally the case is the impact and the consequences that our words have are not things that we don't say, they actually are what we do say. And our words can be impactful and powerful. And what this series is all about is we need to understand that we need to not be reckless with our words, careless with our words, Because your words can walk you into so much trouble. If you're not careful about what you say, there can be some big and dire consequences that come into your life with lost friendships, lost relationships. You're reckless in an interview about what you say, lost job opportunities. There can be real-life catastrophic consequences that come if we don't learn this impactful thing in James chapter 3 about watching our words. So let's learn how to do that, starting in verse 1. You guys there? James 3, verse 1. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Oh, whoa, wait, I want to be a math teacher. I want to be a science teacher. It's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about in the school system. It's saying uh, like a teacher of God's word. Hey, you want to be a leader in the church, someone who preaches, someone who teaches, someone who counsels. Not many of you should do that. Maybe you think of the passage in 1 Timothy where it says, hey, whoever desires uh, the, to the office of overseer, which is a pastor of the church, a leader of the church, desires a noble thing. Whoa, is Timothy disagreeing or Peter, uh, Paul disagreeing with, with James here? Is there some disagreement here? What, what, what's going on? Saying, well, well, why you should be maybe not quick to say, oh yeah, I want to be a pastor. I want to be the leader at the church because know this. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You say, yeah, I want to be a a pastor. I want to be a preacher. I think even this does apply to teachers at school. Someone who talks a lot in their vocation, 
be careful because you're signing yourself up for greater, stricter judgment. I mean, I think of someone with like arms around someone else's throat. It's like they're strangled. Like you're signing yourself up for a high bar, higher consequences. Well, Nathan, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a teacher, so this passage doesn't apply to me. Well, clearly, he's writing to people, and he's discouraging them from going after that, going after uh, pastoral ministry, going after being a teacher. So clearly, he's addressing just the general common folk, not, not just leaders in the church. goes on, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So I'm saying, hey, we all stumble, we all mess up, talking about sin, we all sin in many ways. I know the first thing you're probably going through your mind, think about how we sin with our words, and we'll get there, but it's saying just in general, we stumble in many ways. And at first, I don't know if you hear the word stumble, and I'm like, oh, I don't really like that term. We all stumble in many ways when referring to sin. It's like, no, our sin, when we sin, is deliberate. It's intentional. If we sin with our words, that's an intentional act. You are saying something that you shouldn't. But I think why maybe stumble is used here is because sometimes when we're talking specifically about our words, maybe you're not intending with your words to say something that's harmful, but once you say it, you're not thinking, you're just kind of off the cuff, joking around, and then you say something, and then all of a sudden you realize, shouldn't have said it. Does that mean that it wasn't wrong to say? No, but it wasn't intentional. It's kind of like you got tripped up there. Yes, it's still wrong, but it wasn't the intentional of, oh, I'm going to say this thing, and I'm going to lie to that person. I think that's why stumbles used. And guess what? We do that. We stumble in what we say. In what we say. Read, again, the middle of verse 2. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, if you say you don't mess up, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Oh, so if I can just not mess up with what I say. I can be perfect. I don't think the perfect sense is saying without sin, because think about it. If, if someone is mute, not able to talk, that doesn't mean they're perfect. Like, mute people aren't perfect just because they, they don't stumble in what they say. Like, oh, great, mute people are perfect. No, saying if you restrain your words and are careful about what you say, you can be a mature Christian. You can be a perfect man. We see that word perfect used in James chapter 1, not talking about being a sinless person, but rather a mature, spiritually mature believer. So if you hold back your words, you can be a mature believer. And guess what? You're also going to be able to bridle your whole body. This is, I think, one of the most insightful things from this passage that maybe you've never thought about. James here makes a connection between you having control over your words and having control over your body. There is a direct correlation between you restraining your speech and godliness. There is a connection between the control you have over your words and the control you have over obedience to God in other areas of life. Oh, really? Uh, is that really what you're saying? Look, keep reading verse 3. It says, gives a couple illustrations. It says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, you guys know what a bit is, right? that little thing that, the, that puts into the mouth that's connected to the rein so that the, the horseback rider can, can control the, the horse. So if we put those, that mouth contraption, the bits, into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Say you get, gain control of the horse's mouth, you have control of the horse. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Think of like a, a shipping line or a, a cruise ship, big old ship. 
Though they are so large and are driven by the strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Saying, hey, you want control over this big ship? You know what you need to have control over? The rudder. Small thing, the bit in the horse's mouth, the rudder on the ship, leads to having control over the whole horse and over the whole ship. Small thing has a big impact. Then we're just going to cover the first half of verse 5. It says, so also the tongue, just like the bit, just like the rudder, it's a small member. It's a small thing. It's like, oh, the body parts, it's small. It's not like the, the leg, the arm. Oh. So maybe you're tempted to think it's not that important because it's so small. Well, be careful because it boasts of great things. Tongue is a small thing. We probably don't think about it very often, but we need to because it is important. Point number one, you need to see the importance of your words. Your words are important. Why we need to see the importance of our words is because it's so easy for us to sin with our speech. That's what verses 1 and 2 say. Say, hey, don't maybe say you're, you're quick to, yeah, I want to be a teacher, because the more talking you do, the more you're going to mess up with what you say. More talking, increased ability for you to sin with your words. And guess what? We all stumble in many ways, and we mess up so much with our words, we see how important they are. Like, honestly, when is the last time you thought about, were my words honoring to Christ today? When's the last time you considered, oh man, what kind of words should I use in this situation? When's the last time you considered, oh man, when my parents tell me to go do the chores, what would be godly words for me to respond to them? I mean, I think for some of us, we could say, yeah, I thought about that this week. I thought about that last week. It's a good thing. Keep thinking about that. But I think for others of us, it's, oh man, I, I don't really think about that. Yeah, I think about it a lot when someone says something harmful to me and their words cause an impact. And ooh, man, yeah, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they said that. It just fills our mind. Oh, words, yeah, words are so impactful. But what about our own words? When's the last time we've thought about that? You need to agree that your words matter. Your words matter in so many different ways. First, your words matter to other people. What you say impacts other people. I mean, think about it. Verse 1 gave us the example of a, of a teacher or a preacher or a pastor. Could you imagine if in the main service, someone got up to preach who didn't really think that their words mattered? They went up on the main stage and said, sin's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> Could you imagine you're sitting there in main service? Preacher comes out, thinks, oh, what I say doesn't really matter. Yeah, sin doesn't really matter, guys. All religions lead to God. Could you imagine if they went out there and said, that? you don't need to read your Bible and pray just like whenever you want to. Oh, you don't really have to do it. Who cares? You'd be like, like this person shouldn't be up there because what they're saying up there on the platform is impacting all those people that are listening. Because, yeah, hopefully we're making sure, okay, well, are they, what they're saying, is it lining up with Scripture or, or not? But there's going to be a lot of people listening to that or say, oh, man, it's because the person teaching said it. That means it must be true. I must listen. You see how big of an impact the words of a, of a preacher or of a pastor are. We agree with that, right? Now, it's easy for us to see that, but we say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. So my words don't, don't really matter to other people. They don't really make an impact on other people. 
Well, I'd argue that I think there are probably friends that you had that you don't have anymore. And maybe for some of us, the result of that is because of words that were said one way or the other. Or I think we can all agree that there were disagreements that we've had, whether it was with parents or siblings or friends, whoever it was, and the root of some of those arguments were wrong words that were said. Can we all say that we've had those situations before? I mean, we recognize, even in that, I don't have to give you a specific illustration, because we all have different situations in our minds where we've seen our words mattered to other people, whether you were on the receiving end of that or you were the one saying the words that you shouldn't. Your words matter to other people. James also cares about your words. And I know it's like, well, who cares about what, what James wants me to do? Well, James, under the inspiration of the, the Holy Spirit, penned these words that are applicable for us today. And all throughout James, he talks about our words. Let's look through it a little bit. Turn to James 1.19. So it's probably just one page to the left. James is one of the authors that speaks the most about our words in Scripture. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. So right there, it's the first time we kind of see our words brought up in, in James. We already uh, preached on that verse too. Hey, don't talk as much. Maybe be more hesitant to speak than you should. Why? We're giving the answer later in James because we mess up with what we say. Keep reading down. James 1.26, so a little bit further down. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Remember, we talked about this in a sermon, I know it was last year, said, hey, if someone says, yeah, I'm, I'm religious, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of God, and yet you don't have control over your words, saying, hey, that profession of faith, don't think it's genuine. Words are important. James 2.12, turn over maybe a page or maybe it's further down, depending on what Bible you're, you're in. James 2.12 says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. It's like, hey, remember you're going to be judged. You're going to be held accountable. So act in a way that you're going to be judged. We oftentimes think about act, but how about this? Speak in a way as knowing you're going to be judged. Okay, we've already covered those verses. How about in the future? We're going to hit on these. James 4.11. James 4.11 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Don't speak evil. James 4.15 goes on when talking about presumptuous planning. James 4.15, instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James 5.9, do not grumble against one another. James 5.12, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, that's a lot, let alone James 3, 1 through 12, which is a section entirely devoted to our speech. Does James care about our words? I mean, our words matter to others. James cares about our words, and obviously it's not just James. God cares about the speech that you use. A verse that I know you're familiar with because I've said it multiple times, Matthew 12, 36 to 37. I'd write that down. It says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now, listen to this. This is kind of interesting. Verse 37. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Hmm. Justified means made right with God. So by my words, I'm made right with God. 
What? By the speech that you use, you're made right with God. Whoa, what? What? Well, harken back, think back to James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. And the works of your life show whether the faith that you profess to have is genuine or not. Was it a real faith or is it a fake faith? So too, your words, the words that you use, you can look at your own life. If you're someone who professes to be a follower of God, say, what kind of words do I use? Do they ratify? Yeah, my faith is genuine. Or do they show something that, oh man, I'm professing to be right with God, but my words might be saying something different. Because you're going to be held accountable before God. Every careless word you speak. I mean, think about standing before the Lord. Are you going to be happy to have to give an account for that sarcastic comment you made towards your parents? You excited to stand before God and have to respond to that uncaring text message, because that is speech, that you sent to someone else? Are you excited to have to stand before God and give an account for that trash talking you did in that sporting activity? Are you excited to have to stand before God and have to give an account for the gossip that you had about other people that you did? I mean, all those words, we have to give an account. And as we think through our words in just three weeks that we're covering this topic, I want you to think of a couple different categories of speech. Because we think of our words, and I think the first thing uh, that comes to mind is just normal speech, which is words that we say audibly from, from one person to someone else. But there's a couple more areas of speech that I want you to think of. So that was the first one, just normal speech. Second one, I want you to think of self-talk. So talking to yourself. It's, no, it's not audible speech, but it's you saying things, you know, like say when you're by yourself and you're kind of thinking in your mind, it's you talking to yourself. That is speech. What kind of words do you talk to yourself? It could be evil things that you're saying to yourself, wrong things, wrong things about other people that other people don't know because you didn't say it audibly, but God's still not pleased with that. Self-talk. Third category, written speech. Written speech. It's like, well, I don't write cards to people. I'm like, well, texting. I know you're not probably not on Twitter yet, but I mean, you think God cares about what people tweet? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people shouldn't tweet when they are tweeting. Instagram captions, Instagram comments, where you comment on people's, what you write, put out there. I mean, that's a category of speech that God cares a lot about. How about this? Recorded speech? That's Maybe flip is an example of that. God cares about what you say and post on flip, whether it's in the DBR group or whether it's on the, the narrow wide for all to see. He cares about that. Posting things on YouTube, Instagram reels. How about this? So we have normal speech, self-talk, written speech, recorded speech, even this. I know this is getting a little stretched, but nonverbal speech. It's like, when your mom says, hey, go take out the trash, you don't say anything, but you go and roll your eyes. It's like, well, I didn't say anything. Oh, well, you said plenty. <laughs> you said a lot right there. It's like someone's trying to talk to you and you're slouched over and looking around. It's like, well, I, I didn't say anything wrong in that situation. Yeah, well, you said plenty in that situation. Think about nonverbal communication. I mean, think about your 
be real responses to other people's be real. That's a little bit of nonverbal communication right there. I know some of you are just like, like, or just like smiling. Like, it's like, that's not saying anything per se with words, but you're saying plenty. Some of you are laughing. You're like, oh yeah, I'm on that be real. Nathan's not on be real though. What a loser. Um, it's like, think about these categories of speech as we go through the next week. Don't just think, oh, well, I don't, maybe your struggle is, oh, well, I'm very careful with what I say to other people because, man, it can be used against me. So I'm, I'm going to be careful about that. But man, I won't say something rude about someone, but I'm going to say it in my mind. Well, what good is that? Normal speech, self-talk, written speech, recorded speech, nonverbal speech. No, it's all under communication. But think through those categories. They all are important to God. He cares about that. We should care about that too. Well, Nathan, if we stumble in what we say, um, and I know that I mess up a lot, I'm just going to resort to not talking at all. Just done talking. <laughs> Anyone else just feel like, well, I'm just done. Like, no more talking. I'm just going to zip it up and done. Well, first of all, that's like really hard to do, um, especially if you're going to live in society. Um, but two, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. Just, I'm going to stop talking. I'm done. Think about it. We're held accountable for every, everything that we say, but we're also held accountable for not talking when we should talk. So, when you should speak up in a situation, when you should share the gospel with that person and you don't, you're held accountable for that. When someone's making fun of God and blaspheming against God and you just sit back and say, whatever, I'm not going to say anything, you're held accountable for that. It's like, wow, we're held accountable for a lot. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Thankfully, our salvation is not dependent upon our obedience but we should desire obedience in all facets of life because of what Christ has done for us. And it is doable. I think verses three and four give us hope that it is doable. Think about a horse, it says. I mean, horses out in the wild, like think about trying to tame a horse. If you just had a wild horse, you just went out into the wilderness, wherever they're native, because um, it seems like, I don't know, do you ever see them like in, you always just see them in stables. It's like, that's not pastures. There you go. Yeah. Where's the most local pasture that you just go out and see horses? Like, I don't know. Wonder Valley, bridge people, you drive out and you see the, but is that even open? Third? I don't know. Imagine trying to tame that horse. So I'm going to get it under control. It's like, well, it seems like an impossible task. Well, guess what people have done over the years by, by verse three. If you put bits into the mouths of horses, they're able to obey you. And you guide their whole bodies as well. It's doable. Verse 4, look at ships also. They're so large, driven by strong winds. I mean, think about like a ship out on the water. I mean, and the waves just tossing them to and fro, and the wind going around, and you're thrown up in the back of the boat. Oh, wait, just me. Uh, it's like, it's like, ugh, like, tossed to and fro. It's like, well, how can you even direct where the boat's supposed to go with these 12-foot waves going to and fro? It's like, well, this rudder on the back is able to guide it through. It's It's doable able to do it. See, if you are able to bridle your tongue, have control over your speech, it impacts so many different areas of your life. Write it down for point number two. You need to pursue self-controlled speech. Pursue self-controlled speech. By pursuing self-controlled speech, there is a direct correlation between self-control and other areas and aspects of your life. We need to grow in self-control in general, but right now let's just talk about our talk. I remember one time we got back, I think it was last year, from Edge Summer Camp. 
And there was a new student who came up for the weekend, and he was talking about how he liked it, and he enjoyed his time, and somehow, like, the topic got brought up, like, about me, and we were talking about me, and asked, like, how old, or I asked him how old he thought I was, and he was like, I don't know, like, about 50, <laughs> and I, like, I just showed come some self-control right there about, like, what to say next to this little, little fifth and sixth grader. Then I remember after being like, oh, no, I'm actually like 20-something. And then like we were then asking like how old he thought Noah was. You remember this, Noah? He was like, how old do you think Noah is? And we were like trying to like say that like he was like a lot older than me. And I forget like what he said, but it was like older. He was like, oh, maybe 60 years. It was like something like that. It's like, I mean, I wasn't going to like lash out and be like, oh, you're so stupid. Like so But like I had to be controlled about like, am I just going to laugh in front of this? I think we did laugh a little bit. So I guess I didn't show very much self-control, but it's like, man, I could have been really upset in that moment and lashed out with my words. Be like, do you have two eyes? Are you serious? Can you not see us? And like, have you seen a 50 year old? And have you seen me? Do I really look like, like I could have just lashed out at this kid. You guys would have been like, okay, really? You're going to do that to a new kid? It's like, no, I didn't. I, in that moment, I showed self-control. But you've had situations probably more serious than that one where someone does something or your little sister is just keeps poking you in the side and keeps poking you in the side and you're getting a little frustrated and then your mom tells you that you've got some chores to get done. You're like, oh, I don't want to do the chores. And you remember all the homework that's on your plate. And then your sister keeps poking you in the side and you're like, stop poking me in the side. It's like, then you, you lash out. Maybe say something that you shouldn't. Or your parents bothering you respond in anger. Or your teachers are overbearing with their homework. And so you just get pent up and you just can't help but say rude things about the teacher to your friends. In those situations, when it's easy for the temperature to rise, that's when we need to pursue self-controlled speech most. Because it's easy to be sitting here right now at church and be like, oh yeah, I, I can definitely control my words and yeah, make sure that I don't say anything that's wrong. I mean, like, yeah, sitting right here. Yeah, definitely. But you know, when it's boiling up and you're getting a little hangry, if you know what I mean, and then something happens and you haven't eaten in a while, you haven't slept, and you're just like, boom, that's when it hits. And it's different situations for each of us. Be careful. Be careful. Imagine if someone came up to you and just slapped you in the face. I mean, maybe that's a situation where you'd have to be controlled with your words. Like, you're like winding up like, oh yeah, ready? Like, like you gotta have some self-control. Matthew 5, 39 says this, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, whoa, whoa, we just talked about that. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, make sure you lash out in anger. No, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, hey, someone sues you, takes your stuff, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. See, aspect of retaliation. When you're feeling like someone wronged you in some way and you need to get back and it, you got to get them back like plus 10% more just so that you assert your dominance over them. It's like, yeah, the one-upmanship that we all tend to have. Calm down. Show restraint, guard your words, show self-control. Well, I have the First Amendment, freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, America. It's like, yeah, you, I guess you can say whatever you want. 
Even that, you can't yell fire in a crowded, crowded theater. You can't really say whatever you want, but neither should you say whatever you want, even if you could. God's not pleased with that. There's a lot of benefits to having self-controlled speech, and as I alluded to earlier, your self-control in this area directly impacts self-control in other areas of life. Let me show it to you. 1 Timothy 4, 8. Little part of verse 7, then I'll read verse 8. It says, Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Saying, hey, physical training, physical exercise is of some value, as I'm sure you probably know. Well, what value is it? Oh, so then I have muscles and I can show it off to the ladies. Like, oh, look at me. Is that the value that I was talking about? No. Um, although that's why some of you guys are trying to get that exercise, you know, getting those gains. Um, or someday you're going to turn into those jocks and um, try to, yeah, look at me. No, why? Why is bodily training good to some value? Well, the discipline that you need to train physically, that can carry over to discipline in other aspects of life. Think about it. When you have, need the discipline to wake up early in the morning to pray, if you've been waking up early in the morning to work out, man, I, I have the discipline of waking up early and I've told myself, no, hit the alarm. Guess what? Now when I'm struggling to pray, I've shown discipline before. Now I can exercise it just in this aspect of life. I think the same thing goes true with self-control with our words and other areas. If you're struggling with pride, you don't show self-control when it comes to that. You're just always prideful angry, worried, anxious, overeating, lust. If you don't show self-control in those areas, I just can't do it. Well, maybe you should think right now about have you thought and shown self-control with your words. Maybe focus on your speech, self-control in that area, and it will impact other aspects of your life. I think that's an encouragement of why we should pursue it. You need to learn to hold your tongue. Think of the different areas of your life that you need to pursue self-controlled speech. Because I think it's different areas for each of us. We're tempted in different ways. I mean, for think guys and girls, sports could be an area. Team sports, I mean, it's almost expected as you go up in high school, college, and the professional leagues to trash talk. I mean, even a lot of so-called Christian athletes out there, if you were to mic them up on the field, guess what? They would say some of the worst things, some gnarly things that you would say, what? Oh, well, that's just what everybody does, so we have to do that. Really? You want to give an account before God for what you say? Oh, well, it was on the field, so it doesn't matter. It does matter to God. Video games? I mean, that's some of the nastiest platforms are people gaming against each other, and whether it's visually up on the screen what's being there or seeing things are being said as you've got your headphones on, listening to, super vulgar. I mean, we can take a little aside about talking about the content that we consume. Oh, it doesn't impact me. I can listen to whatever songs I want. I can listen to whatever YouTube videos I want. It doesn't impact me. I'm not going to say it. Is it pleasing to God? Would, would God be pleased with that? It cares about what you consume, and yes, it does impact you. With parents, maybe that's when you're tempted to be reckless with your words. You Be careful about not saying anything mean to your friends, but your parents, you just kind of unleash. Guard, restrain at school, with your friends. Just because others do it, and once you get into high school, 
going to, especially if you're going to public high school, you can't walk down a hallway without hearing a cuss word. You're going to conform to the world? Or are you going to say, I want to obey God and not fear man, but fear God more than man? Say, I don't care what people think, I care what God thinks. Even if everyone else thinks I'm weird, that weird church kid, God's pleased. Here's a great prayer. This would maybe be a great verse to memorize over these next three weeks. I've said it before, Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It'd be a great thing to pray in the morning. When you think about your words, especially those moments when you know you're going to get tempted to be heated, when your parents are about to say all the chores that you've got to do for the week and you sure want to give them a piece of your mind, pray, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, I like even the picture there, the door of my lips. It's a door. Sometimes we just need to keep that door closed when we're tempted to say things that would be impactful. Because our words matter, verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Your words are impactful, oftentimes in a negative sense. And we're going to hit more on that next week about how our words can have a negative impact in harmful speech. But I want us to think about the positive side first. Think of the great godly impact that can come from your words. That's what we should pursue. Point three, use your words for good. Use them for good. What good can come from your speech? James 3, 5, we just read it. So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Boasting of great things, that's not talking about you. Like, oh yeah, boasts of great things. I'm pretty great. Let's boast of some great things right now. Hey, do you guys know about me that, you know, I was, I was a valedictorian in middle school? It's like, oh yeah, boasts of great things. That's, that's me. That's not what I was talking about. I mean, you can boast of you think you're a great thing. That's not a good way to use your words. But what are some of the benefits? How can you bring good to other people through your speech? Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Your words can literally feel like you just stabbed someone right in the stomach. I mean, think about it, ladies. If someone that you liked walked up to you and said, you're boring. What? Some person that you, you thought highly of walks up to you, ladies, and says, you're so annoying. Someone's like, someone that you thought was cool walks up to you and says, I don't want to hang out with you. Get away from me. Like, some of you are like feeling a little offended right now. Like, what? Guys, someone walks up to you and says, dude, that guy's such a loser. What a loser. That guy's stupid. Dumb. Like IQ of like one, maybe. Like, you're, like some of you guys are like feeling like personally offended. Like, don't, I'm not saying those things to you. I'm just giving an example. Like, that hurt right now. Probably just you hearing that. Like, oh man, like whether it was like your ego or just like your, like that, that hurt. Like, like man, that, I didn't feel good. I mean, that's the, that's the words that are like sword thrusts. But it says this at the second half of the verse, the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
tongue of the wise, someone who is wise, discerning, someone who thinks before they speak. Could you imagine, ladies, maybe on the flip side of what was said before, if someone that you thought highly of came up to you and was like, complimented your outfit, like, oh man, I really like what you're wearing today. It's not me because that'd be kind of weird if I was like, oh, that's really cute, really cute when we were it. It's like, kind of weird. Uh, maybe it was Becca came up. It's like, it'd be like, oh, wow, that's really nice. Or like, guys, it's as simple as like, you drain a shot and, and a dude's like, nice shot. And you're like, respect. Like, yeah, let's go. Like, you're like dapping them up. It's like, man, that just like made your day. Some guy was like, oh yeah, nice shot. It's like that simple. Like, <laughs> that's it. The simple words can bring much good. Now, let alone say someone walks up to you and it was like, wow, I really appreciate what you said during small groups today. It was really insightful and made me think about this. Guys are like, I'll stick to nice shot. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we're going to just, like, wow, that'd be really cool. Someone says, wow, I've noticed that you've been really diligent on flip this week. And it's challenged me to, to be on there regularly also. Whoa. Someone said that to you? I mean, I'm confident your leaders are encouraging you. Are you encouraging each other? Uplifting each other with your words. That's some of the good that can come. How about this? The glory of God. Thanksgiving. doesn't just have to be Thanksgiving for us to talk about being grateful with our words, expressing gratitude to God, worship, singing to him evangelism. I mean, that's bringing glory to God and good to other people. The greatest good, I'd argue, that you can do with your words. Evangelism. Humble prayers. Maybe not think of that as speech. Praying. Whether it's audibly or in your mind. That's pleasing speech. That's good speech. It's good to, good to yourself. Psalm nineteen fourteen. Another great verse. If I was to memorize two verses on speech, it'd be Psalm 141 through what I said before, and this one second. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a great verse right there. May what I say, my words, and what's going on inside my heart, what's going on internally, be pleasing in your sight. That would be a great prayer. There was a study of sorts that took place where some person went around, it's gotten kind of famous, although you probably don't know because it's not like viral famous, um, where two shapes would be shown to people, and one of the shapes is Kiki and the other one's Booba. Those are the two names of the shapes. And you have to decide which one's Kiki and which one's Booba. They're made of words. They're made of words. Let's put up the two shapes on the screen. You have to decide in your mind, just by looking at them, which one's Kiki and which one's Booba. Just in your mind, think through right now. I'll give you guys a couple seconds. They went around, asked a bunch of different people, which one's Kiki and which one's Booba. All right. I want you to... We'll say this is one, this one's two. Um, if I say Kiki, which one do you think of, one or two? Two. Okay. All right, raise your hand if you think Kiki is one. Raise your hand if you think Kiki is two. Th look at how much. So they did this, and those are just made-up words. And 
internationally, so across languages, when they asked people, it was over 70% of people said that this is Kiki and this is Booba, and you got to correct if you said that. It's weird, and the people wonder, like, why did people, why do they say that, and why do they associate those shapes with those things? And some, like, conjecture because, like, oh, like, the letters K-I-K-I, that's, like, sharp, and, like, B is more rounded. Others say, well, it's because of, like, the, the way that your mouth says kiki, it's more rigid, and uh, booba is more rounded. Or some would say, like, oh, take, like, a bowling ball, which is round, and roll it, and it kind of makes, like, a oh, sound, whereas, like, a pine cone, it's a little more choppy sound. It's, like, there's all these different ideas of why they might say it works, but I just find it interesting, and like I don't think necessarily people can fully explain why there's this connection between the, those words and these shapes here on the back, but there is that connection, and that's shown through the studies that are done. We need to see there's a connection made between the words that you use and the self-control you have over your words and self-control at the rest of your life, the godliness the holiness that you pursue. So if you want to say, yeah, I want to be a godly, spiritually mature, holy believer, pursue restrained speech. Let's pray. God, we confess to you that oftentimes we don't use the words that we ought to and we say things recklessly and thoughtlessly. We don't really care about how it impacts other people or impacts us or impacts you. Help us, even in the start with this first sermon in this series, to be more thoughtful moving forward of what we say. Even, God, as we go out to play some pickleball and hang out in the lobby and go home, help us to not be reckless but to think twice before we speak once. God, we ask that we would do that starting now. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.